let every soul be subject. What does it say? Romans 13.1, can you remember it? Let every soul be subject. What does it say? I'm, I'm springing this on our team for nimble agility. So they stay focused. What does it say? Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those authorities that exist are appointed by God. I, I, I have a, I've encountered a, a very, very wonderful piece, Christian article, to help us with this whole idea of mask wearing, facial covering. And I'm in agreement. Watch this. It says, it's strange, but nothing reveals the rot at the center of American Christianity like the response people have to wearing masks. It requires zero sacrifice to put a mask on, but that's still too much of an ask for many Americans. Mask wearing is really the perfect, perfect litmus test for self-denial. Something, it's something we do for others. My mask protects you. Your mask protects me. It's not only a legitimate way to stop the spread of the germs, but it's also a communication of our care for others. It's such a low bar for denying oneself, and yet there are people all over the country who refuse this small act of solidarity. Their discomfort and inconvenience is too big of an ask. Jesus is asking us to take up our cross and follow him. Following him looks like self-sacrifice. He's our model and we are followers insofar as we follow him. So, thank you for wearing a facial covering to come in today. Now, I read the I read the executive order very carefully several times, and it says, entering and moving inside. So if you're kind of not really jumping, which like none of you are right now, you can take your mask off. If you're not like going to run around, moving inside. So the governor could come here today and look and see you're not moving around. That's what the order says. You, want, you came to your place, you're not moving around, so you can take Get comfortable. If you're comfortable having your, mat, your facial covering on, fine. If you're not, take it off. And of course, if there's somebody nearby who's a little nervous and keeps theirs on, might want to be respectful, okay? Does that help? I, I probably doesn't help, but anyway. Uh, it's like, wow, you know, wow. Are we, how many of you have been to the grocery store and they won't even let you buy groceries without a mask on, right? Anybody experience that? Anybody experience that like Jake Dizelle? Did you experience that? They really wouldn't let you buy groceries without a mask. Remember that? It really happened. He's like, Mark of the Beast. <laughs> in, in a semi-humorous way. But anyway, I don't know where we're headed and how long this craziness is going to continue. But in the meantime, we've got to be thankful that it's not asking us to stop worshiping. And it's not asking us to stop coming to church. Come on, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. We have two baptisms coming up, so here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to pour a message into your heart today as quickly and as efficiently as I can. And one that some of you are going to be so thankful you heard because you didn't know. And some of you are going to be so thankful you heard because you are an experienced individual in this message. And it has proven 
itself and its concept and its value in your own life. Amen. Exodus, this is part five, and the title is Meet Me at the Burning Bush. Meet me at the burning bush. We're going to take a look at a fairly lengthy stretch of scriptures with a story behind it. So let's open with this one passage in the New Testament before you're seated, and then we'll get right into meet me at the burning bush. Everybody say meet me at the burning bush. Praise God. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith Moses, when he was born, he was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith. That's some good faithful parents. Not afraid of the king's command. Because the king's command was not to wear facial coverings. The king's command was to throw the baby boys in the Nile River and drown them. Hey, how many of you would be afraid of that king's command? Not me. I'd say, God, you're going to provide a way out somehow. I don't want my baby boy to die. And by faith, they were willing to resist the king's order. By faith, Moses, when he came of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But that would have been so much more convenient and so much more wealthier. It would have been a decision of a lifetime to be Pharaoh's daughter because that way he would be Pharaoh's son, Pharaoh's grandson, and he would have all the riches of the world and would have been the wealthiest man, most likely would have taken King Tut's place. So he would have been very rich. Choosing rather, rather than all that, to suffer by wearing his facial covering. Now, I'm not preaching about that today. I just have to keep throwing that in there because it's so funny to me. It's like, wow, how long are, am I going to be wearing this when I'm, like, when I'm a grandpa? I don't know. I don't know what's, what the end of it is. That's my, my thought process. Like, I don't know. But anyway, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, that's a team attitude, isn't it? That's a team-minded individual. He said, you people of God, I'm going to suffer right along with you rather than to be an elite person who has entitlement. <laughs> Choosing rather to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. That's faith. And it goes on to say, by faith he forsook Egypt, turned his back on it, left it behind, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Meet me at the burning bush. Amen. I love this Old Testament section of New Testament material. It's talking about an Old Testament history, Old Testament record, but it puts it in New Testament context. I love it. And that is a model man of the Old Testament for us 
to look to today and find out what made Moses tick. What made him really have inside of him what it took to be Moses, the one who led God's people out of bondage. What was it? Had something to do with the burning bush. Amen? Praise God. Amen. If you know how to pray, would you pray with me right now to let his, for the Lord to let his spirit hover in this sanctuary right over our heads and start touching our hearts. I just, I'm picturing it right now. The spirit of the Lord is here and I believe he's not satisfied to be outside of your heart, but he wants to be in. Would you invite him, Lord Jesus? Lord Jesus, we invite you to have complete, perfect, your complete, perfect will and way today. Hallelujah. Thank you for the online audience today, Jesus. I pray for every household, Lord, and those who are watching by way of archive. Lord, I pray for every individual in the house. We need you, Lord God, and we trust you. Lead us, Lord. Lead us, Lord, and we will follow. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we will follow you in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Amen. And amen. The Lord bless you. You're welcome to take your seats. Our water is ready. We have baptismal water prepared for two baptisms here in just a few moments. So excited and thankful for that. We will keep our live stream rolling for that and uh, let you all who are watching online experience that right along with us. Meet me at the burning bush. Last week, we talked about Moses' youth and how that God was evident every turn of Moses' young life. That was not that last week. Last week was Brother Cheryl preaching. And you would think Brother Cheryl was in tune with the whole series, the way he preached about Exodus and um, a wonderful message. But, but our last part of this, we talked about Moses, and I talked about how that Moses' youth was literally on point and was necessary for his mission mandate to be carried out. So this section of our Exodus series, I'm breaking out and having another little series inside a series, and it's called Moses, Man on God's Mission. Man on God's Mission. And then this part of the little series inside the series is called Meet Me at the Burning Bush. Are you sufficiently confused? Hopefully not. What I'm doing is I'm taking a wide story that goes for miles, and we're finding a spot to go deep for miles. Okay? Let's go deep. Y'all all right to go deep? Yes, Amen? How many of you want ready for a double shot of espresso to be served by the ushers? Raise your hand. Yeah, I thought so. We probably have a few. Iced. Praise God. Now, presence of the Lord would be pleased. I believe, with every one of us leaning into this message today, leaning into it like it's something you own or you want to own. Every one of us, our young man who wants to be baptized in Jesus' name, our young lady who wants to be baptized in Jesus' name, friends and family, those of you who maybe have never been to a Pentecostal apostolic church, let me give you a quick little disclaimer. We're usually a little more rowdy than this. 
a little more movement-oriented than this. Something about this whole pandemic has kind of got us a little more stationary. And uh, bottom line is, this is not really the way we truly act when we come to church every single time we come to church. We love move, moving. We love shouting and running the aisles and having a good time. We are at this point in time doing our best to make whatever adjustments are necessary by keeping the fire. And if it has to for a little while, let it be shut up in our bones. <laughs> Amen. How many of you got fire shut up in your bones right now? You know what that means? You're sitting still, but it wouldn't take much. You start thinking about the goodness of Jesus, and you would be on your feet, and you might even be interested in moving. And you might even start praising God for keeping you, for healing you, for delivering you, for giving you hope and a future, for pulling you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of you got a little fire shut up in your bones? Oh, that's what Jeremiah said. It's like fire shut up in my bones. You just can't keep it can't keep it quiet for long. If you can, you might not have it. Lord, refire us all. And don't let this virus take our fire. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Moses on a mission. Moses. Now, story is to be read now to help you see the context biblically of what this meet me at the burning bush means. Here's the story. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. He saw an Egyptian beating one of his brothers, a Hebrew. So he looked this way and he looked that way. No one was watching. He killed the Egyptian and hid him, his dead body in the sand and done that feeling good got one of them out of the way now let's bring them on how many more you got doing a work on task right have a feeling he felt like I'm on a mission rubbed his hands together <laughs> I hope nobody moves that sand over there because there's somebody buried. But one down and about 700,000 to go. But I'm on mission. Right? Are y'all following me now, Moses? Moses is young. Moses has got a kingdom at his disposal. And Moses knows because his mother embedded it in his heart. You are not an Egyptian. Parents, are you embedding it in your kids? You are not of this world. You are not a part of this world system, but you are different. And God is calling you to a different life and not to mix and mingle and enjoy the passing pleasures of sin with these people because they're soon going to be sorry as they face their consequences in hellfire eternal. No, you're intended and destined. You have a completely different mission. You're on your way to God's heaven. And on, his, on your way to heaven, you've got a mission. Well, Moses heard his mother's full-on, powerful version of his mission. All she knew, because she couldn't see the entire scope 
of what God had in mind for her son. Moses grows up, most likely his mother's passed away. We don't really, can't really find anything else about her after all this. And Moses is now on his own. And uh, there are some young people in the sanctuary today who are soon going to be on your own. And that's with every single generation, every passing service. There's always advancement going. And some of us, we're all getting to a place where we're a little more independent. A little less necessary to have the older people with us. A little less necessary for our parents to be here and for our grandparents to be here. Because guess what? It's God's cycle of generations. And we've got to figure out how we can truly learn to stand on our own and not do what we're doing because we have grandparents and parents breathing down our neck. What's really wrong with a lot of apostolic Pentecostal people, let me speak to the generational church right now. Big problem with a lot of them is that they have grown up and they didn't go to a burning bush. They just kept living with their parents' version of what it looks like to be a spirit-filled individual doesn't work. It won't work for long. Eventually the test will come and that's what happened with Moses. His test showed up. Probably fell asleep that night thinking feels good to be on my mom's mission. Are y'all hearing this? <laughs> feels good. Got a dead body out. He wakes up next morning, second day. Well, this time he's got two of his own brothers fighting. Yes. Hebrews. <laughs> They're his own kin because he's of the same bloodline they are. And he strides up to them. And you know he's not wearing Hebrew clothing. He's wearing Egyptian clothing. And he's an Egyptian in appearance for sure. <laughs> and he, he walks up to them. Because he already knows. He's, he's on mission, right? Got a work to do. My mama trot, taught me. She trained me real good. <laughs> he walks up to them and says, Hey, 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 hey. Settle this down. Calm down, you guys. Quit hitting each other. Why are you striking each other? And one of them looked him in the eye and said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Who are you? You're, you're just a spoiled brat right out of the palace. You wouldn't know what we're do, going through. How could you even relate with our issues? Who made you a judge over Oh, do you intend to kill me just like you killed the Egyptian? Moses caught his breath, a gasp. Oh no, somebody did see it, and somebody's now, now the word's out. He feared and said, Surely this thing is known. This is what happens when you're not on your own God given mission, and you're on the mission of a family member, the mission of a pastor, the mission of a grandparent the mission of a loved one, 
Brothers and sisters, when you're on God's mission, fear is no longer a part of your daily makeup and attributes. Fear instantly overcame him. That's a first sign that you might be off mission. Because when you get on the right mission, you know you've got authority backing you up. But he was now realizing, I am not moving on anybody. I'm not, this is not God's authority. This is not a higher power. This is not a calling that I've heard or received for myself. Oh, no, what am I doing? So he's freaking out. <laughs> In fact, so badly that he turns and he runs to the hills to save his own life. And when Pharaoh heard of this matter, no doubt they must have uncovered the body, the body that he killed, the burial, shallow, sandy grave. Take that dead body to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, look at this. This is what your grandson Moses did. Pharaoh heard of it. He instantly wanted to kill. Hear me? He wanted to kill Moses. But Moses fled. He put on his Nike airs. And he ran for his life. His sandal airs. Strapped them on. Full speed. Out of here. Because he did not want to die at the hand of Pharaoh. Now, let's keep moving. 20 years later, estimated, Moses is tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian. And Moses has led the flock to the back of the desert. Folks, the back of the desert is not anywhere near like the backyard of the palace. He has fled. His fleeing has taken him to the wilderness. And here he is on the backside of Horeb, the mountain of God, which is the same thing as Sinai, the place where he would someday receive the Ten Commandments. And the angel of the Lord, look at this, appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. Caught his attention, he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. But the bush was not consumed. How long do you think that took? He's standing there and he's like, okay, I've seen burning bushes before. It's a combustible item. We're in a drought. We're on fire restriction stage two. No open fires. That's, that thing's going to burn up in just a second, right? So he stands there watching. A minute goes by. Two minutes, three, five, should have been burned down by now. Slow the whole story down a second in your own mind and recognize he had to have enough time to realize, wow, this is not any old bush caught on fire. This is something very different and unusual. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire and not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn to ashes. It is just continuing 
to burn as though it is not combustible. So where is the fire coming from? This is strange. There's no gas lines out here. There's no propane out here. Why is this fire still going? If you could picture this in the mind of an ancient person, this is really a very odd circumstance because there's no fuel but the fuel of the bush, and the bush is not going poof, and suddenly it's down to a little ash and smoke, and, the, and it's just now smoking embers and it's over with, and he continues to walk. This one's different. This one is continuing to burn. Folks, this makes me want to be the kind of a man of God, a husband, a pastor, a father. This makes me want to have a church that is on fire for God and does not let... Isn't that interesting? I'm going right back to the fire burning on the inside. Amen? Fire shut up in my bones. God, give us fire inside. If you don't have fire inside, I want to invite you to learn that Jesus Christ said, I will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you get a fire on the inside. And you know what it does? It'll make you a man or a woman who people will go, hey, I'm, I'm noticing some fire in you. I'm going to turn aside and ask what's up with you. How are you so different than our surroundings? In the middle of a pandemic, how come your fire is still burning brightly and you're smiling and you've got optimism and faith? There's a fuel source that you can't see. Moses turns on his heel, walks close to the bush. And Moses hears a voice out of nowhere. And the voice says, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place, the voice said. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. I'm the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That's me speaking to you from this burning bush. Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people. They are oppressed by the Egyptians. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Because uh, it's Exodus time. <laughs> God says, I know when it's time to bring my people out of their pain and their suffering, and this is the time. Moses is hearing these words come out of the bush, and these are the words that God is speaking to him. And he says, so I have come down to deliver all of your brothers out and your sisters out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a better place. A little heaven on earth. Uh, I'm going to give them such a good and a large land, it'll blow their minds. It'll be a land flowing with milk and honey. What that means is it's a place that is a dream compared to where they are right now. In fact, it's better than their wildest dreams right now. If you'll just listen to what I'm saying, Moses, I've got a plan. He said, now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel. It's come to me and I have also seen the oppression. Come now therefore. God says to Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Everybody say, meet me at the burning bush. <laughs> oh, 
what an incredible experience. You know what I picture in my mind? In just a few moments, we're going to have prayer, going to dim the lights, and I want everybody to pray, and I want there to be a burning bush right by your side. Yeah, you. You. A burning bush. Oh, you're like, I'm already too hot in here. Can you turn the air up a little for a burning bush? Y'all okay? How, how would you like to have a burning bush by your side right now? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the presence of God who knows no time or space. He is able to appear in a spiritual revelation in your presence today before we leave. And I'm going to dare say this, that there are some, if you do not get a burning experience, burning bush experience, it won't be long until you end up disappointed, disillusioned, dis, just, just end up disappearing. Because you never really got it in your heart. All you got was what you were told. All you got was what was expected of you. But you never let it really come to you by revelation from God. Lord God, I want to see a burning bush today. Would you join me and say, God, I need you to show up today. I'm ready to meet my friends, my family, my pastor at the burning bush. Meet me at the burning bush. Folks, if you don't have a burning bush experience and you really have got to beg God for one, get desperate for one. Years later, God confirmed his pleasure. God confirmed his favor. God confirmed that he was a man who saw that Moses was worthy of grace. He made God smile. Everybody say, Moses made God smile. He said, I know you by name, Moses. And you found grace in my sight near the end of the book of Exodus. So that's a flash forward. I'm showing you Moses knew how to make God pleased. He knew how to make God's heart happy. Okay? Now, how many of you want to hear the Lord say, well done? Yes. At the end. Your own Exodus 33. God Please say, I found favor in your sight. Would you please? When he finds favor in you, he'll say, well done. I want to hear him say, well done. I got to hear him say, well done. Sometimes we just get all excited and we stop there saying, God, I want to hear you say, well done. Well, hold on. Let's go a little more systematically into what this means if we want to hear God say, well done. Follow my thought process, okay? Listen closely. Those are words of reward that I hope to hear and I want every one of you to hear. Those of you listening online and those watching an archive, maybe in days and weeks to come, I want you to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. See? Enter into the joy. I want to walk into the... I don't want to walk in the wrath of God. I want to walk in the joy. He said, enter into the joy of the Lord. How many of you want to see God's face lit up with a beam of brightness and, and happiness and pleasure because of something that you have done? It's something you've done. Don't you let anybody tell you that you don't have to have any works because faith without works is dead. He says in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament, he says, time after time, I know your works. God, help me to be careful so that I'll be able to hear you say, well done. He'll, I, I could just see the Lord right now. Would you join me? We're standing at the pearly gates and the Lord says, a little twinkle in his eye, well done. 
Can you imagine the relief? Can you imagine? Better than passing that algebra test? You know? Better than finally hearing your prospective spouse say yes at your proposal? Better than the best of the best experiences in this world? Yes. God is saying, well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Join me in that mindset right now. God, I've got to hear you say, well done. I want to live a life that has been accomplished, that has been lived, and that has been graceful, and has been obedient, and has been righteous before you, right? So, here, here's my point. I need you to catch this. At the heart of God's pleasure is the accomplishment of His mission. Okay, how do I get His mission? Meet me at the burning bush. Go there today. You want to know God's mission? You've got to meet me at the burning bush. No bush, no mission. No mission, no well done. You following me? Moses got it at the end of his life. Well done. I want to get it. And it's not just because I'm just some selfish idiot who wants something for myself. I want to hear the Lord say well done because I want to please Him. Do you want to please the Lord? Does anybody want to make God shout and worship and give thanks because you loved Him and you prioritized Him? How about this? Let's let's just let's just kind of keep keep going a little bit a little bit at a snail's pace as I tell you something so critical to this rest of this message. The word mission. Some of us may be stumbling over, and I want to just make sure that if you're like me, you want to just make sure we're identifying what that word mission means. The dictionary says the oldest use of the word mission is the action of entrusting a task to an ambassador. A task which a person is designed or destined to do. God, what's my destiny? Lord, where are you taking me? I don't want to just do my own thing. I can't just do my own mission. I want to be on your mission. Now, God's mission, folks, is what will lead you to a life that is worth living. I don't care how old you are today. If I were you, I'd say a God mission missing life is not worth living. Remember, remember one, of the, one of the ancient philosophers said a, an, a, an examined life is not worth living? Well, I'm going to say a missionless life is not worth living. Why would we wander through life hoping that we get it right? It's a luck of the draw. It's a gamble every morning. I hope I do the right thing. I hope I say the right thing. Man, I hope I meet the right people because today could be the day. How many people have lived their lives and at the end of their lives are sorry that they just never caught a mission and they did not live on purpose? And I'm not talking about just any purpose. I'm talking about a God purpose. Are y'all 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 stick with me for a second, okay? A task that you're designed for. What did God design you for when he knit you together in your mother's womb? What did he design you to say, to speak? What did he design you to perform? What tasks, uh, what, what duties or functions uh, has he say, is he gonna say, I would love to impose those on you or assume that you as a person are, are willing to, to know me so well and to listen to my voice that I can tell you 
this is my mission for you. A mission is a person's vocation or work in life. A strongly felt aim or ambition in life. Dictionary definition. In Jesus' name. Folks, this brings tears to my eyes as I think that there may be some people that are just waiting for this service to be over so you can go on to your next checklist item. But if you would stop right now and say, God, this is momentous. This is urgent. This is critical. This is an essential moment in my life, and I don't want to miss this. Lord, I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Well done, brothers. Listen to me, sisters. Well done begins with knowing God's mission for your life. And well done is succeeded by the joy of the Lord. And I believe that's heaven's experience. So hear me when I tell you, our works are judged as the outgrowth of our faith in God's mission. That's kind of an axiom that all I've said so far comes together, brings it like bunches of balloons in the air, all colors. And you got strings everywhere. And now I ran through the crowd of strings. I grabbed them all and I brought them to one little bundle. And here it is right here. Our works are judged as the outgrowth of our faith in God's mission. Folks, you, what you do has got to be a result of what God has truly dealt with you in your spirit over what you are designed and destined to do for his glory, to bring him the greatest honor and to put a smile on his face and say, enter into the joy of the Lord. God, what is my mission? If I were you, I think I'd just about get on my feet and say, God, I'm not satisfied. I want to confirm it even if I think I know. I want to make 100% sure that I'm on mission, God. I do not want to keep blundering through life hoping, God, I want to get your mission. Lord, your mission is absolutely critical to me. Your task, what you've given me to do, Lord, I want to follow what you have given me. Folks, can I tell you, your works are going to be judged as an outgrowth of your faith in God's mission. If you have no faith in God's mission, you're going to end up with works that are judged as being insufficient. And you will not enter into the joy of the Lord. Therefore, knowing whether or not we are on mission is critical essential and crucial to our ability to please God and enter into his joy ultimately in Jesus. I feel like we ought to just stop right now and have prayer. Would you join me in a prayer right now? Let's pray for God to help us to let his message sink into our spirits. Lord Jesus, I pray in your name that you'd help us to understand, to capture, Lord God, the words that you have laid upon the hearts of this, the heart of this pastor. Lord, don't let them just be mine alone. Lord, let these words become the words of this congregation and those who are listening. In Jesus' name, Lord, would you enter into those living rooms, enter into those dens, Lord, enter into those halls, those courts, Lord, wherever people may be watching. Lord, enter in, God, through this, through this broadcast. I pray that you let every one of us not be satisfied. So I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, in Jesus' name, Let's answer this question. What is, 
Everybody say, what is? Pastor, I have a question. What is your question? Here it is. What is, everybody say, what is at the foundation of a life lived on God's mission? I'm going to ask you without you asking with me. One more time, watch this. What is at the foundation of a life lived on God's mission? Everybody who thinks you know, raise your hand. <laughs> Thank you. Two. Anybody else? I love making this interactive. You're like, oh, is, is, is a question being asked? Yes. What is the question? What is at the foundation of a life lived on God's mission? How many of you think you know? How many of you think you know? Brother Duke shouted out. Jesus. <laughs> That's pretty much the best answer you can come up with any time anybody asks a question over the pulpit. <laughs> Hallelujah. You gotta love it. Brother Randy, pull your mask aside and shout it out. Relationship with Jesus. Another good answer. But does anybody remember the name of this message? I guess I've said too much, Brother Jake. People forgot what all I've been saying. I've said too much. That's, that's a sign I need to shut her down. And I'm going to shut her down. But I want to tell you something real quick before we shut her down. Are you ready? What is it? What is, at, what is foundational to your life on mission? Come on, somebody. Meet me at the burning bush. If you don't know what you're... See, see this progression? If you catch a mission today, you're going to live a new life tomorrow. And you're going to have nothing to look forward to but joy in heaven. And the Lord's saying, well done. So if I were you, I'd say, God, I want to see a burning bush today. Give me a burning bush experience and let it happen from the front to the back, from the side to the side, every pew, nobody too important, nobody unimportant. Every one of us, God, I need a burning bush experience. Folks, wilderness is a wild ride. It's absolutely crazy. When you think about Moses, he rushes away. He knows his mission is not God's mission. And he knows he's having to run for his life. He's not on the right mission. He's on a mission that was kind of like just dreamed up and thought about. And he thought, well, yeah, I'm not an Egyptian, so there's got to be something I do for my brothers. But God said, you know what? This is not about that. This is about you and me having a talk. Jesus wants to have a talk with you right now. Wilderness is the only place Moses could go to have no distractions. The sheep he's tending aren't saying much. Not real good conversation. And all he's got is himself and things around him. Rocks, cactus, bushes. Bushes on fire. Suddenly, he's got something to listen to. There's a voice. It's speaking the language he speaks. I guarantee it was not English. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that. He hears a voice. It speaks a language he understands. Moses! Moses! And so Moses 
turns aside and says, here I am. Folks, the wilderness was absolutely essential for him to be able to hear what God wanted to say. If you and I get our lives so busy and so tied up and so overwhelmed with schedules and so overwhelmed with calendar and events that are just keeping us completely slammed and glued to the wall every moment we have and we can't get away and listen to the God experience, then I'm going to tell you something. It's time to say no to some engagements and start getting into a mode where we can hear because this wilderness idea it doesn't require you to be it requires you to be away from distractions it requires for you to be in a place like Jesus said enter into the closet close the door and when you speak to me in secret your father will hear and reward you openly all right wilderness is a wild ride it requires patience takes us away from the comfortable, the usual, the predictable, takes us away from the palace, takes us away from being a prince and a special person. It takes us to a place of complete humility before God, a place where our ears are now hearing what we probably would not have heard in the middle of the city life. Egypt, Ramses, the city was filled with hustle and bustle, the turning of wagon wheels and the lashing out of taskmaster's whips. But Moses had to leave. There was a reason why God had him to run for his life because God wanted to get him away so he could have a burning bush conversation. Today, you don't have to run aside, run away and go to a wilderness area physically, literally. But you know what today we need to do? We need to be willing to say, God, I want to shut out the world from my mind right now. And I want to just close the door around me right here in the sanctuary. And Lord, I pray today that you would hear my prayer and let there be in my eyesight a burning bush experience. Open your eyes, church. God is saying to Moses, I'm doing something here that's going to get your attention and turn you away from the things that, that you're expecting to something you're not expecting. I believe that for somebody right now. God's going to lead you to an unexpected blessing, an unexpected end of help, an unexpected end of relationships that you've been praying for and seeking for. But you've got to trust me that God is a God who says, would you listen to me? I will give you a burning bush experience. Can I tell you, Moses' burning bush was not just for an Old Testament experience. It was not just for a story. But it is for our example today. Turn aside. Get off the beaten path of the rat race. Externals separate us from God's holy ground. Amen. I'm almost finished. Listen to this. All of you who are happy to be here right now, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. Everybody who's not happy to be here, put your mask on real tight and say, I'm not happy. No, I'm just kidding. You know what you're... You know what literally the dirtiest part of your attire is right now you're wearing? Oh, pastor, don't talk about that. I'm perfectly clean. There's a part of every one of our attire that's the dirtiest part. Dirty. Filthy. The sole of your shoes. The sole of your shoes. It picks up a little virus. Picks up a little, little germ. Picks up a little trash, picks up pollution, picks up junk, picks up this everywhere you go. You don't realize you're taking a step in the world, taking a step because gravity's pulling you down, and you're picking up trash, picking up dirt, picking up dust. And then when you walk into the sanctuary right now, we're all bringing dirt. 
with us. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, there is a reason why that places like Burma, they love to take off their shoes for church. It's because it's a century-old custom that goes even back earlier than we can imagine when people would realize, I'm in a place of holiness and I cannot let this dirt be tracked in with me. Hallelujah. That's right, in Burma, preach in your socks. Because everybody leaves their shoes right there by the platform. Everybody up top has no shoes on. It's that whole idea of bringing pollution, bringing dirt with you. And God told Moses, if you want to hear from me out of this bush and you want to keep hearing my voice, then it's time for you to recognize it's my presence right now. My holy presence that wants to appeal to you, that wants to give you a mission and help you understand some things you never understood before and give you a vision you've never seen before. But Moses, it cannot happen if you bring the accumulated junk of your life, the accumulated junk of this world, the accumulated things that you've picked up along the way, you've got to get rid of those things. Take off your shoes, Moses. Remove the sandals from off of your feet. Because those shoes are externals that separate us from God's holy ground. If you want to see a burning bush today, if I were you, I think I'd say, God, Strip away anything that pollutes. God, strip a polluted heart. Isn't it amazing that, that, that Peter picks right up? Peter in the New Testament says, if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, then you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And if you want to be baptized in Jesus' name, then you need to repent of your sins. Repent for the remission and be baptized for the remission of sins. Sins have got to be gone before the Holy Ghost can come. Holiness will not reside where there is sin. So there must be a eradication, an excavation, a removal. So I'm telling you, somebody right here today I believe is so set. You're listening and you're waiting for me to finish so you can hear the Lord speak, so you can have a burning bush experience. I wonder how many of you, as I wrap this message up, musicians come. I'd like to just slowly across the audience, I'd like to get people that are hearing what I'm saying and are catching this message. I'd like to get you, those of you who are first, doesn't matter if you're first or if you're last, but I'd like for us to just, as we think about it, this is what I'd like for you to do. As I conclude this message, those of you who want a burning bush conversation with God badly enough today that you're willing to wait upon the Lord, and you're willing to do whatever it takes, you've got to hear from God. You're sick of the old, the usual, the customary, and you're ready for something fresh and new from heaven. Folks, I'd like to just get you to slowly start standing all over the sanctuary. Just start standing because your position of your standing is a position where I want you to start drawing the closed door of your closet around and start in a position where I'm, God, I'm, I'm ready. I want to hear from you, Lord God. You know what God says? This is the first thing that God says when He speaks to you. He says, I have seen your pain. <laughs> he tells Moses, I've seen your pain, Moses. Moses, I can relate. I know that what's going on is a miserable oppression. Folks, can I tell you, that's, that's nothing to dread. That's nothing to be angry about and nothing to be frustrated. God wants to meet. No, God says, if you'll come to my burning bush, I can see your pain. And I'll tell you, your pain is something I have come.
to solve. I've come to take your problems and turn them into fine grains of sand and let them drip through my fingers. They're no problem to me, God says. God says, you come to my burning bush. I've already seen where you are. I know the circumstances. You didn't know I had surveillance all over Egypt. <laughs> He's telling Moses, I have seen the oppression of my people. You know what that means? God's eyes are watching every single lash by a taskmaster's whip. The Lord God Almighty sees every tear that is shed. He sees the blood that is draining from people's sides as their wounds come. He sees the weariness of their muscles as they continue having to tread the, tread the, the brick and the bitumen and to turn it into these pyramids. He sees these issues. He knows these things that are going on. And God tells Moses, you may not have known it, but I was there all the time. I was watching. So what God says right now to you is this. I've seen all of your heartache. I've seen your pain. You've been oppressed. You've been depressed. But I love you. And I have come to give you a mission. Woo! God says, at the heart of my mission is the fact that I am who I am. I am that I am is what Moses heard. Moses' first question was, who am I? And God said, I have picked you to do a mission. And then Moses said, who are you? Good question, right? How many of you have already said it today? Who am I that God would really want to have a talk with me? Has anybody said that? If you thought to yourself, who am I? Nobody really knows me. I'm just a nobody. I want to rebuke that in Jesus' name and tell you God knows you. God knows your name and He sees you. And he, you, you can stand in His presence and say, who am I all day long? And you know what He'll say all day long? He said, I want to put you on a mission. I've got a job for you to do. You're designed. You're destined and I want you to do it. And you, then the next question may be, okay, on what authority? And God says, my authority and then Moses says who are you what should I call you what term do I put to this voice coming out of the burning bush how do I identify you and God says I am that I am folks God gives identity and authority in the burning bush if you're needing those things today I'm inviting you to a burning bush Meet me at the burning bush. Receive a revelation. Know this, brothers and sisters, God is really in charge of the events and the affairs and the experiences of humanity. He's even in charge of COVID-19. And if he wanted to, he could just put a stop to it instantaneously. But I believe there is something behind what God is doing. In times, I don't know. Is he birthing the pains of his coming? I don't know. But bottom line is this, as a people, we all need to say, God, don't let me walk away from a revelation and a vision and a mission of to who you are and what you have in mind for me God I've come to you today for a mission folks this message should change the rest of this week the rest of this month and the rest of this year for every one of us if you will really let it can I invite you right now to begin calling upon the Lord where you are it's your turn take this message to heart let's go to the burning bush right now I'm inviting you right now as we dim the lights this right here is prayer meeting time for the congregation in just a few moments, we'll enter into baptismal waters. But for this moment in time, could I invite you to join me? 
Let's pray for God to help us to turn aside. Get off the beaten path. Lord Jesus, we're taking off our shoes. This is holy ground. Lord God, we are not walking, Lord, in our own filth. But Lord Jesus, we want to walk in your holiness. Lord Jesus, we want to hear your voice.